0: So just last week, uh, my wife and I were sitting in that section right over there, and our church was so beautiful, just like this morning, and it was really overwhelming. Uh, when I came in, we had been away for just a little bit, and, and I came in, and worship began, and I saw the lights. Where's Anaji? Did he leave? That's all right. I'm sorry. If he, maybe he'll come back. If not, it's Okay. Uh, but I saw the, the experience, the worship, and the lights, and I saw the, the screens, and I was looking at the diversity on stage of individual. And not only the diversity, but I was looking at the stage. And, and Jeff is somebody who on guitar has been an encouragement in my life for so long. I mean, he's been at this church forever. I mean, even yesterday as I'm preparing this message, he texts me encouragement. And I remember, oh, Najee oh my goodness just just for like another couple minutes I remember the first time I ever experienced a Najee, uh, playing piano and ministering as music director like seeing him take command in that way and I think a uh, you know other individuals Rachel Shipman and her husband we've you know, celebrated holidays together, like so many years of memories. And I was reading this morning of um, Psalm 93 and just being reminded what the scripture says of being planted in the house of the Lord because you understand, everyone at home here, everybody hearing my voice, you cannot experience the fullness of the body of Christ until you're planted in it. You hear individuals like Jenny and we talking about small groups and all these things if you're not careful after a while it can just start to sound like church but what it is it's your pastors wanting you to know the body of christ wanting you to know your church i want to look at everybody and say especially right now with what we're facing in life and all that's ahead of us as we rebound in such a powerful way um, as a culture and as the church post pandemic you know i'm speaking that in faith uh, we need to be planted within the body of christ so i encourage you to pray about that think about that and also i pray that you realize uh, just so you un- such a unique place that god has allowed you to be listening watching or present this morning i'm going to take a moment to pray and we're going to jump right in thank you Naji. jesus we're so grateful we're grateful whether we're home right now or we're in person we're grateful for the commitment of your presence. We're grateful, Jesus, that you said that it would be better for you to go away because you had committed to us that when you went away that you would leave us with your presence, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. And here we are today at home or in person experiencing the benefit of the comforter, of you being in our midst, And, Lord, it's not something we have to force. It's not something, it's not like a first date. It's a promise. You don't break your promises. That if we have relationship with you, right now you are living on the inside of us and we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, I want to pray right now for everyone hearing my voice that doesn't yet have a relationship with you or has drifted from relationship with you, again, at home or here. I pray that this morning that we would feel your kindness drawing us to repentance and an acknowledgement of need for you. In Jesus' name, and everybody says. Amen. Can we thank Anaji one more time? Blessing. You know, if I were to title this message, which, you know, really don't do that, but if I were to, I would call it uh, Love is Not Fair. Because it's not. Um, You know, things that are fair balance, like a spreadsheet. But if you've been married uh, for more than a couple years, you've experienced in the giving and taking from one another that love is what? Love is not fair. It doesn't balance. There's no way to predict that what I give to you you're somehow going to give back to me just the way I want it. That's not how love works. That's not how longstanding friendships work, right? For those of us that have have had friendships for a long time, and you're just so grateful, and usually we only have a few of those, and I pray that God gives us wisdom of how to hold on to them tight. But those friendships will show us that love isn't fair because maybe there was a season in that friendship where uh, that particular friend had to give to you so much, because of something you were going through or something that you were experiencing, and there's no way you can ever repay them, or vice versa. Love is not fair. And the trouble is when we want to start trying to make it fair. These are the most unhappy marriages I see in my life. Friends where I can see, it's almost like every time they do something for one another, uh, they got they, like, check a box. It's like all right, you want me to sleep with you. So he, sir- <laughs> All right. Sorry, that was too much. That was too early. That was too early in the message. That was too. I'm sorry everybody at home. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. You know what I'm saying, but but love can become a form of manipulation. And then at that point you ask, is it still love? We expect, it's almost like a paycheck. Hey, I'm going I'm to pay you this much. I'm going to do these things for you. And here's what I want. Love doesn't balance that way. Especially in different seasons and moments of life. Especially when we look at the grace of God and his kindness towards our life. I mean, what in the world was balanced about Jesus... Inviting the guy on the cross next to him into the kingdom of God. <laughs> Think about it. I mean, you can read the history and different people assume different things. You know, you can kind of go down a bit of a bunny trail. But some people say this individual is a murderer and a rapist. How is that fair? So if I could title this message and say, love is not fair. Um, right here in this beautiful church, there was a family many years ago that introduced my my family to a tradition. You know, they told me, and they were like a really cool family. and So you know, you see, like they got like that thing about them. So you kind of listen to what they say because you're like, I, I want to be cool, you know, whatever. And they suggested, they're like, oh, we go up to the Adirondacks all the time as a family. And in my brain, because Pastor Luke has been one of my best friends most of my adult life. When I think about people who go up to the Adirondacks, I think about Pastor Luke, who will go up there in the winter to sleep outside. So in my brain, I'm like, why would I ever go to the Adirondacks? Because God has not built me like a green beret. You know what I mean? <laughs> Walking to my campground, I think I would get hypothermia and die. I'd be like, I can't feel my fingers. Like, how the heck? Like, dude? Long, it'll take me this long to get back to my car. It'll take it this long to warm up, and I can be home in five. You know, this is what I'm thinking. But this this couple said, you know, they were a cool couple, and they are like, oh, we got this tradition. Here's the website we use. And since then, the website's changed. You know, Airbnb didn't even exist. You know, aged myself a little bit. And But we went there. We found this little cabin. And I think we were just at the same place for 12 years, a couple of weeks ago, same spot. And I could tell you crazy stories of, of moments with my children that are marked in this house and we have far outgrown this home now. It's two bedrooms, we're a family of five with a dog, and my wife and I take the one bedroom which is equally the same size that we put all three kids in which is just awesome, right? Oh, it's amazing. The whole width of the bedroom they sleep in, you just line up their beds, that's all there's room for. Anyways, but uh, we have this wonderful tradition of going there and I want to say to families hearing my voice if you haven't started traditions do it you can pick expensive ones cheap ones it doesn't matter but it's the most beautiful thing because every year we're there it's a milestone of joy or pain or change or all kinds of things so anyways we come back home and i knew that we were coming back to a lot of busyness um right now my wife tanya not too far that way right now i can feel you babe i can feel the warmth coming off your body it's like a mystery Mm. Jesus. When Pierre said my family's expanding, (laughs) I knew he was talking about like, but part of me was like, is there going to be a miracle? Because there would have to be, and I don't want another kid. Um, But Pastor Pierre is very prophetic, so I think he's talking about something else, but um, so anyways, we're coming back home. My wife is currently in two school programs. And, you know, she works practically a full-time job, so I knew we were going to be home. We left intentionally a bit early to enjoy a day. (laughs) And then the next day, I knew Tanya was going back to work, and it was a Sunday. You know, and there's no football to take the edge off, right, guys? You know, it's like, this is just Sunday. And I knew that Tanya was going to be leaving about mid-afternoon, and I knew at that point I was going to be fully responsible to get the kids ready for school the next day, On top of me needing to take a couple hours to organize my week because I've been away from work for a little bit and some other projects and stuff like that. So I had been preparing my mind, even while I'm on vacation, because I can get a little bit of anxiety. I'm like, I'm gonna do this. Like this is gonna, I'm gonna create a great runway for my children back into school post-vacation. It can be a little emotional, but God, I'm more than a conqueror. Like I can do this, right? So Tanya takes off, everything's good. I got got a list on the fridge that I work through with the kids. We've tried many things. This list seems to work like, okay, by this time, let's get lunches done, let's do this by this time. And how many parents know right now with COVID, getting your kids ready for school, you need like a degree in strategic management? Seriously, how many times has the school called me because I didn't like fill out the right form? Like, I know the number, and I'm not going to lie, I kind of stopped picking up. I'm like, I know they are called Tanya if I don't pick up. You know what I mean? Like, this lady sounds so annoyed. She's like, you're 40 years old. Fill out the form, I think is what she wants to say. So getting the kids ready for school, it's, did you hang your masks at the door? OK, let me go check. Are th- this or that the right ones? Forms filled out, whatever. And when you're already busy, it may not seem like a big deal. But you guys, you know, you add that extra 5%, 10%, and it's just, it takes a lot of capacity. So we're back home. Tanya's off to work. I'm proud of her, the season, of life she's in. I celebrate what God's doing in her life. It's a beautiful thing to see. And uh, there I am, making sure things are good. I remembered that the previous day, Tanya, we really love our family dog, but Tanya has, like, a unique relationship With Buddy, like Buddy really loves Tanya, our dog. And it's probably because Tanya thinks about things like his diet. So she'll think, like, Buddy isn't getting enough nourishment in his food. So she'll go to the pet store and she'll get, like, some stuff to mix in the food. I could care if he ate, like, paper for the rest of his life. Like, if paper gave him nourishment, I'd be like, kids, crumble up the paper and put it in his dish. Like, I don't, it's like I like him, but I don't feel those things about Buddy. Like, Oh, I wonder if he's healthy enough. That never once crosses my brain, ever. But Tanya, that's like this relationship. She's like her and Buddy, are like it's something. So Saturday, we stopped at the pet store because she wanted to get this like nicer food to like, mix in with his regular food. And uh, my dog has the intestinal resilience of like a newborn baby. So if you mess with his diet, nine times out of ten, it's going to create havoc in the house, but sometimes it doesn't. Um, she chose to take that gamble on me, I kind of felt like, in reflection, because she wasn't going to be there. And um, we've been married almost 20 years, so I can say this. I know it won't be trouble, right? Right. Um, so kids are upstairs, lunches are made, and all of a sudden, I smell this, like, something. You know, You know there's familiar smells in your house, like a candle you like, Or like dinner being made, but I had this thing come across my nose in the kitchen that smelled like evil. I'm like, I know the crap goes in the toilet. You know what I mean? Like you flush crap. I'm not supposed to smell crap in my house. Like if you smell it, there's probably either something really wrong in your basement or something actually crapped in your house. (laughs) Right? Or you got, like, a newborn baby and something really bad happened in a diaper. Like, those are the only reasons why. And it just kind of goes under my nose, and I can just feel, like, anger boiling in my chest. Like, the last thing I have capacity for right now, and I know when my dog gets sick with food, it's not going to be, like, this really quick cleanup. Some of the pet lovers know what I'm saying. Like, this is going to be, should I throw out this carpet? Like, should I, so I walk in. And there it is: a golden doodle blessing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Pure bread garbage on my carpet. So keep my cool in through the nose, my, you know, it, you breathe in through the nose, out the mouth, clean it up, crack a door, try to get the smell out, light a candle upstairs, love the kids. Get upstairs. My, this is going to tie into the message, so just track with me. Some of you' are like. <laughs> Seriously? Come on. I promise. Go upstairs. How are the kids doing? Because this is what really matters, you know? How are the kids doing? Get up there. My my kids share a bathroom that I try to go into as least often as possible, except to yell at them to clean it up. I go into the bathroom, and I notice there's no water in the toilet, which can only mean one thing, that the toilet's been clogged. No problem. I got this. Love my wife. She's working. Kids. Crap is out of the is off the floor in the family room. I'm about to take care of this crap in the toilet right now. I got this, right? Lock the door, flush the toilets, filling up with water. Any of you ever plunge the toilet so hard you start sweating? <laughs> Some of you have lived long enough, right? It's like that one moment where you know it's gonna like. Man, I, I lock the door because I'm like, if one of my kids walk in and see me doing this, they will never forget their dad straddling this toilet, like, with all of his power. And I can't get it unclogged. So because I'm old enough as a man to actually own a snake, I don't think you own a snake until you get to a certain age. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. I go down, I get the snake, I watch a YouTube video on how to use that bad boy, Disattached it, I swear this thing was in my neighbor's basement by the time I was done. <laughs> I'm like, we're g- we're going. Oh my gosh. And they're the worst because you never know how to fully clean them. Some of you have used one. Now I' got to carry it downstairs. I got to figure this out, get a plastic bag or whatever. No problem. Toilet unclogged. Good to go. Go sit with my kids, read a book, trying to act like I still got. I'm just going to say my stuff together, but it's too connected to the story to use that expression. Try to act like I'm good. Kids are good. I'm beginning to walk downstairs, and I smell something funny. But I'm going to stop the story right there. And as much as that is a lighthearted story, it's goofy, it's silly, we could probably sit around the table and share stories like that of parenting or maybe at our job or whatever, whatever it might look like, where it just seemed so intense and so difficult. That particular night, as a husband and as a dad, that is what love required of me. I know it's lighthearted, it's simple. There was nothing sentimental about those moments. I didn't go downstairs that night and be like, That was so significant as a dad. I need to journal about this. (laughs) Nothing. There was nothing about that that gave me goosebumps and made me feel connected to my family. I was angry. I was trying to keep my heart in the right place. But because I love my wife and because I love my children, that night, that's what love required of me. And for some of us, love has required of us what we never imagined it would. When we stood at the altar and we said, in sickness and in health. For some of us, we never knew how literal that comment would become and some of the sickness and the pain that we would experience within our marriages. For some of us, when we decided to have children, Having been given the opportunity to work at this church and to, to work with Pastor Pierre and Pastor Marlies, you know, 17 years in ministry, you get to sit with families and hear the pain of decisions that children have grown up to make. But some of you, your children have made such poor decisions. But love has required you to remain their father, to remain their mother throughout some of the darkest valleys and the dumbest decisions. Love has required that of you. For some of you, there's been moments in friendships where you have watched decisions that a friend is making. And I don't know why I'm pressing towards this. I just feel it in my spirit. Walking decisions maybe a husband or a wife is making. And you can see it as their friend. You can see the stupidity in it. But love would require you to still text them. Love would require you to still call them. Love would require you to still invite them over, even though when they're around you, you just want to grab them and shake them. But love would require of you to stick it out. You can clap. Clap. But I do want to acknowledge in some of our lives that there may have been moments where it was completely unjust. Hurt is to be expected. But I realize for some of us, maybe that hurt became extreme. But here's what I think happens. As we experience in life that love is unfair, and as we begin to realize that it does not balance out, it begins to hurt, it begins to cause pain, And in the midst of that pain, we do one of two things. I believe this 100%. We either give Christ more access to us in our pain, or we push him away, one or the other, every single time. When we experience deep levels of pain, the Bible says, oh, my goodness. The Bible says that God is especially close to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. So in our pain, we can actually experience the Lord's presence in such a unique way. But I believe that many of us, in our pain, our hearts become hard. We don't even always know it. And this is why Christian community is so important for people to call us out and things like that. We don't always even know it, but we begin to resist the goodness and the grace of God. One of my favorite stories, or one of my favorite verses in the Psalms, is King David says about God, it was your gentleness that made me great. But we will resist the gentleness of God because we're hurt and because we're angry, because something emphasized more than we ever anticipated it would, that love is not fair, and what begins to happen is we start to change our posture. So we almost begin to distribute love like people work for us, like there are employees. Like, hey, I kind of like you, so I'm going to give you a buck fifty. You get a little bit of love, but you, I kind of jive with you. You're going to get five dollars. You, I could do life with you forever. You get a bonus. You know, Whatever we do, we begin to determine who is worthy of our love because of our hurt and our pain and because love isn't fair. I want to take you back to Jesus. I didn't even intend to use this analogy prior to this morning. Take you back to Jesus on the cross, paying the price, tormented for us. In that moment, still they're torturing him, but he has enough capacity to think about this human being next to him and to give them an opportunity regardless of their life resume and regardless of how worthy they are. Actually, you could argue in the world's eyes one of the most unworthy people. But Christ knowing full well, able to see through the lens of this man's life and know the day he was conceived in his mother's womb. Gives him a chance because love isn't fair. And as much as you and I have experienced hurt and pain, and we've accepted that same grace and love from God, because we're human, if we're not careful, we begin to give love based on what we assess other people's worth to be. And a few things that I wrote down is, when our history and our hurt begins to determine who is worthy of our love, we're in trouble. And I wrote down these questions. I said, has hurt made your love selective? If it has, that's okay. If we stay that way, it's not okay. And what we're going to do is we're going to look through several scriptures and to me, this is when it can become a bit difficult, at least when I'm listening to a message. So I want to present a challenge to you. I'm going to talk you through many verses here. And I want to dare you at this moment almost to be like, okay, we're not entering phase two. So kind of like sit up straight. Refer, you know, this or that. Let's zoom in together because it's the word of God that has the capacity to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So I'm convinced... Though I feel like we've been able to position our time together to talk about this, I'm convinced that as we begin to talk through these verses, I'm trusting the Lord that by His Holy Spirit, He's going to illuminate something to us that's going to help us in the way we love each other, that's going to help us in the way we love our city. It's going to help us in the way we love other people unlike us. It's going to help us in the way we love people who post really stupid things on social media, but they're actually not stupid people. They just never should have been given a smartphone in their whole life. (laughs) They're far less stupid than they seem. But for some reason, when they're sitting there with their phone, stupid falls on them. Serious. I'm gonna pray that God would help us in this moment Because love is unfair to even love the people that post the stupid stuff. So we're going to jump right in. Mark 5, starting in verse 21. It says, When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Can you say a large crowd? Come on, say a large crowd. Keep in mind, verse 21, if we jump back, one other story recorded in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus was just at a graveyard with a naked demoniac cutting himself with stones, yelling so loud that the people in the village can hear him. This was his last ministry encounter. So he's coming from the graveyard, where he was able to love this man so intentionally, help this man be free of his bondage in such a way that the Bible records this man that Christ loved and ministered to actually wanted to follow Christ into the village afterwards. Someone who hadn't been welcomed in the village for many years now has gained confidence and comfort because of the love of God to not only want to go back in the village, but to want to go back in the village with Jesus. So Christ is coming out of a ministry moment like this. I don't know about you, but if I had just spent a few hours caring for a naked demoniac, cutting himself while I'm talking to him, I'd probably be like, I'm going to go on a walk or something like that. You know, Jesus is in the boat. He crosses over. Immediately, crowds begin to press in on him. Verse 22, it says, Then one of the synagogue leaders, please keep in mind, these are incredibly powerful people, the same group of people that had the power, the wealth, and the influence to persecute Jesus and drive him to the cross. This is a powerful governing body. An individual, one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus, came when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Imagine with me a very prominent political leader coming and falling at the at the altar in front of all of us, on their knees. This is what we're talking about. Jarius, clearly well-known in the community, synagogue leader, powerful, but desperate enough, in a crowd where he's well-known to fall on his knees in front of Jesus, right at the feet of Christ. Verse 23, he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so she will be healed and live. So somewhere in Jairus' life, he has heard about the hands of Jesus. That there's something about Jesus. It's, inter- it's interesting, right? The centurion soldier, when he needed a miracle, he said it to Jesus, if you just speak the word. So the centurion maybe heard about the words of Jesus. Jairus has heard about the hands of Jesus. And he says, if you'll just Come along, and you touch my daughter. I know that she will fully recover, that she'll be well. My little daughter's dying. Please come, put your hands on her so she'll be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Something else I just love about Jairus, it was actually emotional for me when I was reading the story because I have a 13-year-old, and I was thinking about being in a situation like this, and I love that he calls his daughter his little daughter. I mean, she's 12 years old. I have a 13 year old. It's no longer a little girl anymore, but this is a dad who loves his girl. My little daughter, my 12 year old. We continue to move on to verse 24. So Jesus went uh, with him, and a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Can you say a large crowd one more time? A large crowd. Verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now, I don't know if there's a connection here around a young girl who had maybe lived a wonderful life up to those 12 years and at year number 12 has acquired a sickness that's taking her life away and a woman who has been subject to a certain disease for 12 years. But whenever I read the scripture, I'm looking for anything that connects. And the woman had been subject to bleeding for 12 years in verse 26. She had suffered... A great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had yet instead of getting better she grew worse anybody ever been through a season like that it could say and they suffered a great deal under a manager and went to many different jobs. You can insert anything in there. Suffered a great deal under financial strain and went to many different financial advisors. You could put almost anything in there, but we're looking at an individual who has suffered, who has gone from person to person to person to try to resolve an issue that is dramatically impacting the quality of her life. And the more that she goes and the more that she spends, the worse she is getting. But there was a thought that came to mind as I was reading about this woman. I thought to myself, you know, but she could have been home. I mean, after 12 years of having a disease, that the more you study it, was a notable disease that would be obvious and clear, really not able to be in public for long periods of time. Many people in the community knowing that she had, I mean, word spreading. She spent all that she had. We don't know if she was wealthy and if she spent her whole, whole inheritance or she was practically broke to begin with. We don't know these things. But we know that she is an individual that would really have every right to be home and isolated and just to feel bad about herself. But no, something in this woman caused her to have a desire to press into the crowd. And as I was reading this, I had this sense in my spirit. It's like all of us watching church right now and all of us in this room We may have situations in life that are very difficult. Some of us, we might have a marriage that's holding on by a thread. We might be going through a very difficult season in our business or in our mental health or in our physical health. We might be facing extraordinary persecution in one way or another, but I want to look at everybody, look at my face through that lens and everybody in this room, and I want to say to you, but if you hear my voice, you are still pressing into the crowd. Hear what I'm saying. I don't care if you hear my voice and you're on a podcast. You're listening to me. It's Wednesday. You skip church. If you hear my voice right now, I'm saying to you, you are still pressing into the crowd. There is hope for your marriage. I don't care if your spouse is even with you right now because they're sleeping at the motel down the street. Listen to me. If you hear my voice, you are pressing into the crowd. There's hope. She could have been home. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, so beautiful, just like Jairus. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. There's something about people that just press in to the character of God when they go through struggles think about it this chapter records two individuals that experienced something so unique we have a synagogue influential leader that pressed through the crowd to get to Jesus and now we have this woman pressing through the crowd to get to Jesus when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd. She touched his cloak, verse 28, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And this is what I wrote down as I was praying and I was processing it this week, praying for us, praying for our time together. I said, when we pursue God in our pain and our hurt and our difficulty, even when love is unfair, when we choose to keep doing it, this is what I wrote down. When we're hurt and we're in need of healing, whatever it looks like, our desperation becomes dangerous. I cannot break it down to you in a theological way that I understand perfectly, but I can tell you about a mystery that I've seen in my life and I've seen in the life of others. When our desperation remains yielded to Christ, and when our hurt and our pain remains connected to him, it becomes like that rich organic soil. You know what I'm saying? It becomes the dark soil filled with nutrients where faith can grow. When we begin to separate our hurt and our pain from the likeness and the character of God, when we begin to separate our hurt and our pain and our busted marriage and we no longer give the Spirit of God space to minister and breathe, And to come into our homes we're in trouble but as long as we keep pressing into the crowd and as long as we keep continuing to invite Christ into it even when love is ridiculously unfair we'll keep loving and Najee you can play we need it in a culture where desperation is seen as weakness and hopelessness for this woman Desperation would be the place where faith would just be born. Right there. Verse 29, it says, oh, I love this verse so much. It says, immediately her bleeding stopped. And she." this part right here, I've never seen this in the scripture before. It says, she fell in her body. I think Mark, the writer, as he's being motivated by the Spirit of God to write this gospel, wants us to know it wasn't something she just kind of thought in her head. She felt something change. She, she had known her body to feel a certain way for 12 years. And her body felt different. And she was freed from her suffering. And a question that I wrote down is how many people... Are not being freed from their suffering because we're not loving freely. I'm gonna say it again, then I'm gonna explain it to you as I close. How many people are not being freed from their suffering because when we walk through the crowd, here's, here's the difference between Jesus and how I've been in certain seasons of my life. When Jesus walks through the crowd, He just came from a graveyard with a naked guy cutting himself in the boat, and he's charged by a synagogue leader. Crowds are pressing around him. I'll tell you what. In the the verse here where Jesus says, who touched my clothes in verse 30, if that was me, I might have been like, who touched my clothes? Right? I'm exhausted. It's like when my kids walk around the kitchen, sometimes I feel like they just grab a bag of chips and just crumple it up and like just let it all over the kitchen. It's like they're not even putting them in their mouth. They're just chewing them and spitting them out on the floor. Like when I first read Jesus said, who touched my clothes? That's what I thought of because when I'm tired and when I'm not loving the way I should love, when I'm angry and I'm not I'm not living a life of grace. When people want things from me, that's how I respond. Who touched my clothes? But in verse 30, we read, at once Jesus realized the power had gone out from me. He turned around and said, who touched my clothes? I think that Jesus' expression of who touched my clothes was a curiosity because he chose to be the kind of individual to set an example for us to love even when love is unfair, and even when I'm tired, and even when I feel like I'm out of capacity, and even when I feel like I've loved so many times, and people have hurt me, they've stolen from me, they've taken things from me, but here's the difference. And this was an image that the Lord gave me when we were in seminary. I had the privilege, Pastor Pierre, Pastor Marlise, made a way for many of us to go through seminary. And I wrote a paper on this, and this is what I felt like the Lord was saying to me. He was saying, Chris, Imagine Jesus walking through the crowd and the hem of his garment is flowing freely as an expression of anyone can grab the hem of that garment. You can be a synagogue leader who just might be one of the people who put him on the cross. Or you can be a woman with an issue of blood that's out of money. But that hem... It's flowing freely through the crowd. People stepping on it. Two people that have the courage to grab it. And I felt like the Lord said to me, "This was my my impression that I sensed." He's like, "Chris, you've begun to live life holding the hem of your garment. And what you do is you drop it when you feel like somebody's worthy of your love. When somebody has similar." Pol- when somebody has similar political views to you, you'll drop the hem because that's a person you can love, that's a person you can do life with. But if that person voted for the opposing party, I'll pick that hem up right now. Care what the gospel says. Get none of my love. But you seem like a good person, you seem like you won't hurt me. So I'm gonna drop my hem for you. Your husband seems like they've done enough to get back in the good camp, and drop my hem for you. But you screwed up. Act like an idiot again. Watch what happens. There goes the hem. Oh, what do I gotta do to get that hem back? It's called manipulation. We start to manipulate people because we've been hurt, and we no longer live like the. And I I don't know if in my lifetime if there's ever been a more prominent time where Christ followers need to be living in Rochester New York with the hem of their garment down. Creating space for conversation of how to live and be the body of Christ. Serve this community and serve the body of Christ. And that goes for anywhere you're watching from right now. Ah, but our views and our temperament have caused us to pick that hem right up. How many people are not being freed from their suffering because our hurt has got our hem all bunched up? Let me pray for you. Let's pray together. Jesus, I know the process, that in your kindness, you've walked me through to even feel confident enough to share this message. So I know that you are a God. You are the King of Kings. There's no business owner that you can't walk up to and gently open his or her hands to help them drop the hem of their garment and live and love even when it's unfair. There might be managers that take from them again. There might be partners that hurt them again. But Jesus, would you open their hands? And as I pray right now, I know there's a wife hearing my voice. And I pray that Jesus would give you the courage right now. Yes, I agree with you. If you open your hands, you might get hurt when that hem drops to the ground but who the heck wants to live the way you're living right now for the rest of your life? Lord, I pray right now for any parents hearing my voice, and, man, your kids have ticked you off, so you don't respond as quick when they text or call or Facebook message you or whatever. You're holding that hem. When they're good enough, they give them a tassel. Jesus, help us. You paid such a high price so that we could be people that do our very best to live with the hem of our garment down. Help us, Jesus. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen.
1: What a beautiful message that was today. I just I personally want to thank you, Chris, just for letting God to use your heart in this season to bring that word to us today. And if anyone here in this room or online uh, found that this message spoke to you today, I want to encourage you to get into a group. If you're here, we would love to talk to you out in the lobby. If you're online and you're watching, you can text GROUPS to 313131, and we would love to help make that possible. We know that uh, being in groups is a life-changing thing that we have the opportunity to enjoy with others. And as we begin to wrap up, I also want to remind you that first Wednesday is this week. So if (laughs) if you guys have not signed up for that yet, we have a link available on our website, and we would love to see you guys here on Wednesday. If not, we will see you on Sunday. We love you, church. Have a great week, and we're praying for you.
2: welcome if you are online or in person we want to welcome you we are here with uh luke and then that's Carlos. there he is there you go carlos, carlos. we invite him on periodically because it's fun uh <laughs> carlos why don't you tell the chat your favorite type of headphones
3: favorite type of headphones are the ones that go
2: in your ear nice what he loves the over ear headphones as you can see yeah 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 oh wow all right uh, listen online first of all we got a lot of people watching yeah tell us uh, who's here we got Rochester obviously is here. I shouldn't have said that. Rochester, Florida, Florida. We want to welcome you. 305 Orange County, California. There you go. Orange County, Virginia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Michigan, Arizona. Keep going, Keep going. Minnesota. Arizona, Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> it's a song. <laughs> Illinois, Alabama, Ohio. Are you just doing the song at this point? No, I'm not. No. It's the whole the whole United States is watching us. We want to welcome you uh, all over. Hopefully you enjoyed service today. It was a great service.
3: It was a great service. I love that message. I love Chris's stories.
2: He's a great storyteller.
3: Man, I've known him for a long time, but he is very funny.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. he is funny. Very funny. Yep. He's got you know? such matter-of-fact stories. Yeah. Yeah. He matter-of-fact.
3: Helps, helps you know that when your life is falling apart, somebody else's is, is well.
2: Yeah. And so you're in good company Yeah. Here at the Father's House. And with that said, if you are new, Carlos, if you're new, you can text the Father's House, all one word, to... 94000 zero zero zero. you did not catch that. No, he one, did, no. word. Uh, one word. all one all word. All one word. The father's house to 94,000. 94,000. 94, and you uh by the way kids had an unboxing today. Yes. Did they not? The 10:30 live. It was show. amazing. Yep. Yeah.
3: Eliza was on. She won the Kahoot last week. And nice.
2: she had a blast. And Eliza's 24, 25 year old? Yeah. No. no oh she's no. She's
0: like in
3: Wes, what grade is she in? He's not paying attention. She's in first grade. I don't know what grade, grade she is, but
0: she's,
1: you know. She's in
2: first grade. First? So we want to welcome Eliza to the show today. Eliza, welcome. That's cool. What
3: uh, What was the item in the unboxing? It was an LOL doll surprise. Wow. And I kid you not, she pressed a button and confetti, like, what? It came out. I gotta watch awesome. them. I was like,
2: I didn't expect it. So now
3: all the kids' content is on demand as well. Like it's on people demand, people can go watch that right now with their kids. Yes. Yeah.
2: You can Very like cool. and subscribe not only to our YouTube channel yeah. at TFHNY, but also to the kids' YouTube channel. It's the TFH Kids official YouTube channel. Ooh. Yeah. It's like
3: easier to get there through the main account. Yeah, but you yeah. should
2: like them, subscribe regardless. For
3: sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 I'm saying yeah. to get to our kids' account. Yeah, it's go so to the long, main account. There's no like yeah. slash TFHNY. Carlos, kids. what do you always say at Kids Live? like subscribe smash that like button smash on, that like button. Know you've heard that oh, go, subscribe subscribe, subscribe. Yeah. oh man lincoln Pineapple. needs a very small dose of youtube a day because he gets like real weird like squirrel eyes yeah. <laughs> if he has too much youtube it's not good yeah it's a thing not good and then constantly asking me for more toys i'm like i just yeah. I bought you that one
2: so you're welcome Yeah, there you go. Church, uh, First Wednesday is coming up in two, three short days. Wednesday night, you can RSVP at tfhny.org slash RSVP. You can also register and uh, RSVP for next Sunday right at that same link. We are so excited about First Wednesday this week. It's going to be a phenomenal one. Uh, And then next week's going to be great. It's been a great series. It's been a great Sunday. Uh, Enjoy the warmish weather uh, because spring is coming. Church, we will see you Wednesday night, right here. 7 o'clock. Pineapple. Pineapple. And in person. See you soon. See you.